All right, welcome everybody. Welcome, welcome uh, for another episode of Music Talks with Tyler. Um, my name is Tyler here. Uh, we do not have our co-host Will here today, unfortunately. Um, but as he is starting his college journey. But we do have a very special guest um, from the Barbershop Harmony Society, uh, Miss Kim Newcomb. Um, she is fantastic and a fellow music educator, music educator at such as myself, um, both majored in uh, music education and both have a strong passion for that. And she grew up in uh, Austin, Texas, um, which unfortunately I grew up in Kansas City, so we have that little barbecue battle. Um, <laughs> But that's totally okay. We're going to set that aside for today and we'll have some awesome conversations. So please uh, stay tuned for that. Um, Kim, we'll just jump right into it to start off. If you'd love to talk about like your musical upbringing or what got you first just in the music and singing and any icons or inspirations. Sure, absolutely. I feel like I've been singing for as long as I can remember. My grandpa, uh, he sang in a band and I just remember watching like Shirley Temple movies with him and singing along to that. So I've been singing forever, but um, I didn't get into barbershop, which is how we met. I didn't get into barbershop until I was like 13. Um, and I found that because I had a friend who used to sing in a choir that I sang in. So I sang in a local choir called the Austin Girls Choir. And I basically ended up connecting with someone named Laura Pyle at that time. Now she's Laura DeGraw. And she showed me what barbershop was. She played a recording of ambiance singing Rhapsody in Blue, which if you've never heard that, you got to go put, look it up on YouTube. It's like eight minutes long, but it's well worth it. And it's incredible. It starts off with this, um, just the, the tenor singer singing a really low note and sliding like more than two octaves up into this beautiful, beautiful high register. So I heard that and said, where do I go? How do I participate? And she took me to her mother's chorus, which was called the Austin Harmony Chorus. And that's how I got started in that. Um, I basically sang in community choirs all throughout high school and did like the all state stuff. And, uh, and then I went to the University of North Texas for my music education degree, all the while singing in multiple quartets and choruses because I just can't get enough barbershop. And I taught middle school choir for two years. And there I organized some barbershop things for, you know, it was an auditioned group because obviously barbershop is um, acapella music, four part harmony, the from highest to lowest, the voice parts go tenor, lead, baritone, bass, bass is, you know, the foundation we're used to that. Um, usually we think that only men can sing those things, but really it's for everyone. So I, uh, I sing tenor almost all of my barbershop life until my current quartet, um, female quartet that I sing in called the ladies. So I, I, 
If you or any of your people watching this are interested in getting barbershop to your young singers, regardless of what age they are, there's different access levels. High schoolers obviously have more of a wide range to get to utilize that, but there can be adjustments made for middle schoolers, or I've even seen elementary music educators use tags as a way to sort of engage um, as long you just have to like rearrange some stuff, but I would be happy to help with that. So I guess my musical upbringing is a lot of barbershop plus choral music just in general, because that's what's available in, you know, the schools and stuff like that. So, gotcha. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's, that's super cool. Um, I, for those of you who don't know, I was the barbershop uh, music ed, music ed intern for this past year. Um, so that was super awesome. And uh, I didn't know a whole lot about barbershop going in, but um and now I feel I still feel like I don't after a year. There's just too much to learn, but um, it's it was kind of backwards, especially being a traditional choral person, <laughs> like because you see you'll see like female groups, but it'll be like tenor and baritone, but like all these words you think of lower voices. Yeah, but it's kind of cool to see. Um, there's some really really good like uh, female barbershop groups, and um, like you had said, so. That's just fantastic for sure. Uh, can you talk like for the person who does not know anything about barbershop, what it is? And cause you're the first barbershop guest we've had on here. Yay. Uh, <laughs> and so like what it is for a complete beginner and like what makes it different from other musical genres and styles and how it's kind of its own arranging style. Yes, for sure. So barbershop is a genre of music that is completely acapella. So just like contemporary acapella, we, we hold that to be true in both of those spheres. It's acapella, there's no instruments, it's all the voice. But in barbershop, um, usually in contemporary acapella, they're talking, they're imitating instruments a lot of times, like the background vocals, it's a lot of oohs and ahs. But in barbershop, there's a whole lot of homophony. So everything is you're singing the same words at the same times most frequently. Uh, in barbershop, like I said, there's four parts and that can be sung by four people or it could be sung by a hundred people, but it's gonna be four parts from highest to lowest. It's tenor, lead, baritone, bass. Bass is obviously the foundational lower harmony. Tenor is the highest harmony. Lead gets the melody almost all of the time if we're talking like traditional barbershop. Lead gets the melody, whatever you would normally recognize. And then the baritone gets all of the notes that kind of fill in the chords. So their, their part doesn't always make a whole bunch of sense, but it makes the difference. So I think that what makes barbershop, barbershop special is the baritone part. And also that there's a lot of focus on dominant seventh chords it just feels like it creates a really great tension and then release and it happens a lot in barbershop you can see it in different genres of music for sure but it's kind of like a little thing sprinkled here and there versus barbershop does a really good job of creating tension and release while you're listening to it so four parts acapella seventh chords is what i would say is the general barbershop secret sauce going on <laughs> Gotcha. And just out of curiosity, this is actually just a general question I have, but does it ever, like if you have more than four people, which is mm -hmm. like a barbershop chorus, right? Yeah. Um, if you have more than four people, will those parts ever like diverge into 
like a tenor one or a tenor two or like a like will you ever have more than four notes on a line yeah yeah i think that people who are like barbershop you know traditional barbershop is going to be four part but i've definitely seen barbershop choruses break off into more parts than just four um so yeah oh and also since you mentioned that the voice, the, the names for the voice, tenor, lead, baritone, and bass, we're used to hearing tenor, baritone, and bass associated with male voices. So barbershop actually began, it has roots in, um, you know, African-Americans singing and creating harmonies and just existing and stuff like that. And it was the first singing organization for barbershop was started by men. And it, that's, probably why they stuck with tenor lead baritone bass lead just makes sense for the melody you hear that um in other genres too but when women decided to sing because they said hey we want to do this and the dudes were like no you can't join us yet now the barbershop harmony society is open to men and women and all different kinds of genders right and um but it used to be just for men then sweet adeline's international was developed and that was for women and then we went through the whole civil rights movement stuff and unfortunately um sweet adeline's and the bhs didn't allow people of color to be in it and that's how we got harmony inc which is why there are three big organizations obviously now each of those organizations, the Barbershop Harmony Society, Sweet Adelines International, and Harmony Incorporated, they are all open to anyone regardless of race or belief or anything like that. The BHS is the only organization open to um, more than one gender. And then Sweet Adelines and Harmony Inc. are still for um, female voices. And I know that non-binary persons are welcome as well and all that good stuff, but it's, it's it's rooted in the beginnings were men doing it. And I think that that's why tenor lead baritone bass still exists. But it's also confusing if you want to say like soprano one, soprano two, because that's traditionally a choral thing. So it's kind of a barbershop thing to keep those names. Gotcha. And do you have like just as well as the history, do you have years on the start and the, um, the start of, well, I guess the first barbershop chorus and then that all women's. And then mm -hmm. do you have like specific? I don't off the top of my head, but um, if you want to know about more about history, you should totally reach out to David Wright because he is like the guru on barbershop history and knows all of the details everywhere. So he could be a good podcast person too. Oh, I think uh, that started in like the 1938. I don't know if that's right, but that feels right in my brain for the Barbershop Harmony Society. And then like 20 years later, Sweet Adelines happened. And then like 10, 15 years later, Harmony Inc. happened or something like that. Okay. So all, like kind of like generally it's been almost a hundred years, would you say? I could say that, but you should do a Google search and check. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. And I know definitely during my internship, they were like, yes, these are some of the barbershop celebrities. Um, <laughs> yes, you. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are all the barbershop celebrities. So I was, wow. This is an honor. I am uh, honored to be included next to David Wright. That sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. But in terms of just personally, that's awesome. I, we, we love to hear about like music history and stuff. Um, what about like barbershop interests you the most just personally? Um, 
Yeah, I love, um, so I mentioned earlier, singing like a tag with your elementary students is plausible and possible. Um, I think that something that really drew me in was singing tags, which a tag would be the equivalent in choral music, like the coda. It's the very end of the song. Um, and there's just this cultural phenomena in barbershop where after an event, usually people will hang out and do an afterglow, which is, you know, it's like an after party. But usually what happens at this after party is that people are singing tags. Um, traditionally, barbershop used to be like people would do what they call woodshedding. So someone would sing a melody and they would just like make up some harmonies on the fly. So that's what woodshedding is. And therefore, something that has stuck throughout the years is people learn by ear there are still a lot of people who learn by ear. Um, something I do for my business, I teach I teach private voice lessons, I do coaching for ensembles, and then I also make learning media. So I record all four voice parts to a song. People pay me to do that so that they can learn because there are a lot of people who don't read music. But people will go to these events and stand in circles and someone will teach all the parts and then you sing them together. And it's like, you can make music with people that you've never met. And then suddenly you've had this really beautiful experience where you got to make music together and, and you maybe never would have connected with those people before. And how long does that usually take just to learn that? Cause the tag is usually like six, six measure or four measures, right? Like, yeah. like that coda. Yeah, so there it depends on the tags sometimes and it depends on the group of people. So there are tags that are as simple as four or five chords and you just hold them for a while, right? Um, so that's like a super short tag. But then there are some tags that are like a minute long that take 30 minutes to get everyone together. But once you know them, it's like you see those people at conventions and then you sing them together. So it really depends on the tag itself and the singers that you're working with. So every time that I'm hanging out and singing tags, if there's someone new who doesn't really know what barbershop is, and usually those people are kind of like curious and hanging around, but not, you know, getting into the circles quite yet. I try to invite those people and say, hey, let's sing this tag. Um, and if I know nothing about them, I'll put them on a post or something. And a post or a hanger is something that barbershoppers refer to. It's where you sing a note for a long time and then the other three parts are moving around you. So that's one really accessible way to get people who are you know, a little bit more nervous and, or, you know, younger singers that have never even really sung before say, Hey, sing this note, just hold it, breathe as many times as you need to. You hold the note and then other people do stuff around you watch and, what it, happens. Yeah. <laughs> and watch what happens. Exactly. So I think that what's really special about barbershop for me is tag singing because you get to create a really beautiful moment with people either you've known forever or you've just met and it's kind of like really equalizing and awesome and fun and then other than that just like ringing chords and focusing on overtones barbershoppers are super into um like you just gotta ring ring the chords and you create these little notes that nobody's actually singing, but it's amplifying certain overtones and that's what makes it super cool. So probably those two things. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I love to hear anything that um, like you're interested in. And then for this next question, feel free to geek out as much as you'd like. But um, uh, how was like from, cause we haven't really talked on this podcast about how music can be beneficial for you. Like 
in your like neurologically or scientifically or anywhere so how can like music be beneficial for you and then it's a two-part question and then the second part would be like specifically how can barbershop be um beneficial for you and uh just as your overall health as a person yeah absolutely so the first thing that comes to mind is i remember being in the all-state choir and every year they would talk about the average sat score of each of you know the choir and the band and the orchestra the orchestra was always the highest but and then how it related to um you know general scores and so there's a lot of research out there that i am not educated enough on to give you specific details but there is a lot of research out there that says people who spend time working on music creates all of these different pathways in your brain that really help with being well-educated in other parts of your life, right? Um, but something that I more so want to talk about, besides just the, it makes you smarter, we have studies that say that, is that throughout this pandemic, I've been working with, um, you know, several people on private voice lessons, PVIs is what we call them in barbershop, personal voice instruction, and um, working virtually with people. And something I've started asking people at the beginning of my lessons, I'll say two questions. Um, what's something that you would like some specific help with? Like, what are you working on right now? That's a very general one. And then the other one is asking, what is something that you love about your voice? And either, usually what I notice in younger singers, they're like immediately ready to say, oh, I love this about my voice. And um, some of my more seasoned singers that have been doing this for years and years and years, it takes them a long time to say something that they even like about their voice. It usually comes off as, I kind of like this, but, and then plethora of things they don't like about their voice, right? And I think that that's because we spent so much time as, we spend so much time as musicians trying to identify the places that we've messed up because we want to fix it. It's in an effort to be, you know, better musicians and to improve and all of that good stuff. But because we spend so much time focusing on the challenges, the things that we need to do better, we're, reinforcing the pathways in our brains. There's like little synapses that are happening regardless of anything you do in life. And if you're constantly looking for something that's wrong with your voice, then you're making, you're basically sending more traffic down that mental highway. If you can rewire your brain by intentionally focusing on, I really like this about my voice, man, I did a really good job on that post in that tag, or I did a really good job at yada, yada, yada then you're reinforcing those pathways in your brain to think about yourself more kindly, which is kind of something I've been working on personally throughout this pandemic. We've had at the beginning, I had way more time than I thought because everything got canceled. And so I was doing all of my self-care stuff. And I realized that I'm not very kind to myself inside my brain, which I don't think is uncommon for a lot of people. Um, and I think that that's been highlighted for me in working with people in private voice lessons. So I think that music can be a really impactful place for you to start your self-care journey because our voices feel so personal, right? If a string player had a bad day, like they didn't sound as good as they normally do, you could blame it on the instrument, the, you know, the weather did this. And so the strings did that and the wood did this, you know, um, and we can say those same things about our vocal cords. Like, yeah, I think I'm a little dehydrated or, oh, I didn't get enough sleep last night, but we don't tend to think about it 
in that way, it's very personal. It feels like this is my voice. If someone doesn't like this or says something bad about it, they're saying something bad about me, which isn't true. We are separate and whole and valuable without our voices. And I think that that needs to be focused on. And it can be focused on through giving yourself some grace when you're working on your music and in your voice. Um, the reason that I love Barbershop for that journey is because we spend a lot of time talking about getting in the right mental space and performance space and accessing um, vulnerability, putting yourself in the story and all of that stuff, which that happens in other genres of music too, but I feel like it happens a lot in barbershop. It's especially in the barbershop harmony society. They're really focusing on um, performance driven kind of the same way that musical theater does that the story is driving the song. And so in order to do that successfully, you usually have to pull from your own experiences and dig all that stuff up. So I think that barbershop provides a, a good place to cultivate the skill of being vulnerable so that you can ask yourself the tough questions that's like, I am more valuable as a human than whatever my voice can do. And that's important and good and safe. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of a rant. Most of it is about, we just need to love ourselves more and be kinder to ourselves. And that's why I like doing voice lessons because I end up a lot of what I do. I feel like, even though I love the technical things and all of, all of that good stuff, I feel like a lot of what I end up doing is building people up because they've spent years being torn down unintentionally by educators who are saying like, oh, that's not good versus speaking in a way that's like, let's try and get our vocal mechanism to function more efficiently someone with an airy tone isn't singing bad, they're singing inefficiently. And if we can take the um, emotions away from the technical stuff, then I think we can have more healthy emotions surrounding our performance. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, yes. And, I, and as, if any of my students are listening to this, they know like every time after they run a piece, like most, like if they get like, you know, decent, a decent way through a piece, at least like three quarters or something, yeah. Always make them say like two things that they did well, as well as two things that they can improve upon. And I'm like, no more than two, no less than two. But yeah. And you have to like be super strict. So I think that hopefully that helps a lot um, with some, and if anyone else who's not a student listens, like that'd be great to include in, I, I try to include that in my own private practice. Sometimes I forget, I'll be honest. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, keeping that right headspace is good for all like, the like neurological research as well going into um like just a positive mindset while singing which is super yeah um, so yeah i'm glad you touched on that um could you talk about some of the differences because so just to clarify do you you teach private lessons and then do you also still teach in uh elementary like in school classroom or i actually don't okay. i loved it but it only gave me i mean besides the summer you only get so many days off and I just had so many barbershop commitments. So I changed my line of work. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And that happens. Um, <laughs> and so you teach, and then do you also coach, like, do you also like coach? I know there's like barbershop coaches and, or do you direct any uh, courses or barbershop choir, like community barbershop choir, I guess? Yeah, so I teach 
Um, I'll do private voice lessons. Most of those people are barbershoppers, but I actually just spent several months helping someone prepare for their college audition and working on lots of different music as well. But most of them are barbershoppers. Um, I, I direct a barbershop chorus here in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's called Capital City Chorus, and I love them. And then I sing, like I mentioned, I sing in a barbershop quartet, a female barbershop quartet with the ladies, and then I sing in a mixed barbershop quartet called Half and Half. So those are all my performance teaching sort of things. <laughs> yes, gosh, perfect. So you've had the like experience of working with people one-on-one -on -one and in a group setting kind of yeah so could you talk about from a teacher standpoint of view some of the differences of teaching a soloist in a private voice lesson um it could be your barbershop students or your like your non-barbershop students versus teaching a chorus and teaching um their uh teaching an ensemble and how singers use their voice like differently and everything yeah, for sure. So when I'm working with an individual, since most of them are barbershoppers, I'm usually still keeping in the back of my mind and also verbalizing to them, like, if your director says something that contradicts my suggestion, you should do what the director says because you have to do the ensemble thing. Or if your quartet mates say, mm, I don't, we tried it, we don't like that, yada, 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 you still have to come to an agreement, right? Um, but in the instances where I'm focusing on a soloist, I'm really just focusing on how does this person produce the best, most beautiful sound in a really healthy way. Um, and I, I focus on health, vocal health, and making sure that everyone's singing in a really healthy way, regardless of where I am. I think that the biggest difference is that when I'm working with an ensemble, I got to stay more on top of my pacing <laughs> because there's more opportunity for conversations and, and all of that stuff to happen. Versus when I'm with an individual, I encourage conversation because it's just me and that person and I can you know pay attention to the clock. And it's, it's, it's more likely to yield a better understanding, I think, than discussions that happen in the chorus, or I take that back, the discussion, the trail off discussions that can happen in the chorus, you know, that I'm not immediately a part of. But most of what I teach, I feel like good singing is good singing. So regardless of who, um, if it's a singular human or a hundred people in a chorus, or if it's the barbershop genre, or we are working on an aria for a college audition. Like all of it needs to be healthy. And that's what's similar. The only difference from like genre to genre is some genres are more conversational like mm -hmm. jazz and barbershop. You want the words you sing to sound like you would say them versus choral music typically, typically wants more like of a bel canto approach with tall vowels and all of that good stuff. But there's still similarities between those because in barbershop, sometimes we talk about wanting to spend more time on the target vowel, because if everyone's singing the same vowel at the same time, it's going to ring better. And people singing choral music are also very focused on the vowel sounds. So that was sort of a little bit of a different question that I answered. But but yeah, I think most of it's the same. I'm just paying more attention to um, like time management, rehearsal, etiquette sorts of things when I'm in a chorus setting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Super interesting. Um, and then lastly, could you talk about some uh, misconceptions that singers have about barbershop 
and kind of try to debunk some myths? Yes, for sure. So I think some misconceptions. One is people hear barbershop and they think about four old white men in like straw hats with a cane and red and white stripes, right? Like that's the image that comes to mind. However, it's actually for everyone. So uh, that's the first big myth. It's only for old dudes. That's not true. It's for young dudes. It's for young ladies. It's for young anyone, old anyone. It's for it's for everyone. That's the biggest thing. Um, and there are a lot of really wonderful examples of that. If you look at um, the current international champions of the Barbershop Harmony Society, their name is Signature, and they are actually all made up of not old white men. <laughs> They're like younger, um, you know, there's a lot more diversity represented in that quartet. Um, and the one of the more recent champions for Sweet Adeline's International. That quartet is called Class Ring. They are four young ladies who won. Um, there's another quartet called GQ. They've had a couple of videos go viral, so they're really well known. Or if you've ever heard of the Newfangled Four, they definitely have a lot of YouTube videos that are viral. I would highly recommend looking up all of those quartets. But um, there's many, many ways to barbershop. And there's lots of people who think I want it to be traditional the way it has always been, which there's totally a place for, and lots of people still do that. And then there's a lot of people pushing the envelope. Um, there's some really wonderful young arrangers out right now. I don't know if you know who Melody Hine is. If you don't, she'd probably be another great podcast person, but she's a young arranger. She's also a part of a quartet called Hot Pursuit that won the Harmony Inc contest most recently and they also won the youth contest in sweet out of lines international a couple years before that so big myth it's only for old people <laughs> only for old dudes it's really for everyone there's lots of wonderful examples you should look them up um another myth i think i hear a lot is that barbershop isn't healthy like we're not singing if you sing barbershop you can't be singing in a healthy way. And that's probably because people assume that the barbershop they've seen is representative of all barbershop. A lot of the barbershoppers in the world are, <clears throat> you know, newer, I would say more amateur singers, amateur only because they aren't professional if we're talking amateur versus professional. I think percentage wise, there's more amateur singers in barbershop versus professional, whereas the professionals you see for contemporary acapella are like pentatonics. Uh, of course, they're going to seem more put together and all of that. Um, but there are professionals in every genre of music and there are amateurs in every genre of music. I think that our amateurs just get more like view out in the world um, in your local communities that you see. But because of that, I think people think we don't sing as healthily as we do because those amateur singers aren't you know, getting the same training that everyone else is getting. Or um, I know that there were some things old barbershop wise, like back in the day, they used to believe X, Y, Z. And now that we have people like Rob Mance, I know you mentioned you're going to talk to him in the future, Rob Mance, Steve Scott, um, all of these people who really prioritize vocal pedagogy. I really think that the culture is changing. What is valued in barbershop is changing and it's becoming more and more valuable to be singing in a healthy and efficient and um, being valued for more than just your voice, those three things. So those are the biggest myths I can think of. If you can think of any others, I can probably tell you 
why they're not true. <laughs> right, right. Not on the top of my head, but I'll, I'll be sure to let you know if there's anything that comes to mind. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Kim, for um, coming on in and agreeing to be on here. This is an amazing opportunity. I got to learn some stuff, and I know just like for my students that I'll recommend this to and anyone else watching, um, I know that they're going to learn something, even if they've been in barbershop for years um, or if they're brand new to barbershop. So maybe you'll be converting some students, and that would be awesome. Um, but is there any um, like – way that they can find you um, online or ask questions like social media or if your um, quartet of course has a social media or anything yeah uh, a plug yeah for sure um all of my quartets all of them the two of them that i have the ladies and half and half and my chorus capital city chorus they all have Facebook pages um, I and websites. You can just do a little Google search and it'll pop I'll, up. I'll link them down below to you. Yeah. Perfect. And then I have my own website, which is newvoice.studio. They didn't have a .com available. So it's just newvoice.studio. I didn't even know you didn't need a .com in some cases. But that's what my, my, um, <laughs> my website is. And you can find information about voice lessons and coaching. Um, there's a contact form there too. So if anybody watching this has any questions just in general about barbershop, you can go to my website, fill out a little contact form and I will answer your questions. And other than that, it's just a bunch of learning tracks. So if you want to listen to some barbershop, you can go buy a full mix for $2 and listen to it or just have some samples. But yeah, that's, uh, that's where you can find me. And of course, Tyler has my email. So if someone, one of your students or something wants some, some conversation or answers and questions answered, <laughs> I give you permission to share that with your students too. <laughs> sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on here and uh, we've really enjoyed talking to you and um, yeah, it's just been awesome. So thank you so much. Really Yay. Enjoyed. Thank you for having me, Tyler. All right. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.